I'm going to give you a, a verse that's kind of going to be my um, my jumping off point uh, to the sermon today. And it comes from Psalm 86, verse 6. And it reads, God sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoners with singing. Today, I want to talk about a subject that doesn't get talked about much in church. You know, I, I've been <clears throat> attending church for many years, and I don't think I've ever heard a sermon being preached on this topic. And it's the topic of loneliness. Um it's something that we all go through and we all struggle through at one point in our life. Whether you're young, whether you're old, you might be a man or woman, single, married. It doesn't matter about your personality type. You can be a melancholy. You can be a sanguine. Um, we all ha- have experienced loneliness in our lives. You know, we listen to music and there's, you know, that famous song, Show Me the Meaning of Being Lonely. Uh, we have poetry. We have movies. We have Korean dramas that depict uh, loneliness, uh, almost in a, this romanticized way, but loneliness is a human condition that we all go through in our lifetime. And it's a condition that we experience no matter where we are in our life stage. You know, many single people, you guys believe, oh, you know, you know, I feel lonely. I'm not married yet. And yeah, I feel your pain. I remember I, I was, I was single for 36 years of my life. Uh, I got married pretty late at the age of 36. Um, and I'm, I, I remember what it was like to be, you know, like wanting to be in a relationship and, and not being able to. Um, and so there is that, that the pain of loneliness as a single, but there's also singles don't have the, the market cornered regarding loneliness. You can be married and lonely. Um, we have our, our pastor JP just got engaged to Pauline. Congratulations. Um, and he might be thinking, man, this, you know, like my lonely days are gone. My lonely days are behind me. But, um, it doesn't mean that just because you get married that your loneliness ends. You know, you can be married and lonely. And that sometimes it, that can be even worse. Uh, you can be married and, you, you know, the very person that's supposed to make you not feel alone and the very person that um, is supposed to be there for you actually makes you feel more alone. You know, you might be stuck in a bad marriage. Um, you know, there's a whole loneliness of divorce, the loneliness of widowhood, you know. You can be a parent and your children have moved out of the house and gone off to college and you, you feel lonely. Um, and there's also the loneliness of being a leader. There's the loneliness of being a, a pastor. I think uh, many of you guys pastor may agree and understand and, and have experienced the loneliness of what it is um, to be a leader in this way. You know, my, my wife <clears throat> went through a very tough season a couple of years ago and she would, you know, we would be in bed and she would say, Caleb, you know, I'm lonely. I feel lonely, and and she she cries in this very dramatic way. You know, she's like, you know, and she was crying, and she's saying that she was lonely. And it wasn't because I was being a bad husband, you know. Like, you know, I think I was doing my best, and I hope it wasn't because I was being a bad husband. But um, it was this this distance and the separation that she felt with the church and with the congregation. Um, and you know, she has two beautiful kids, and she has an amazing husband. And yet, you know, she's feeling lonely. So we all experience seasons of loneliness in our lives. Loneliness is not discrimin it's is not discriminating. It affects all of us at one point. You know, that some more than some more than others, but it's a human condition that's universal. And and loneliness, what it does is it lies to it lies to us and says that we're alone. You know, I'm the only one that feels this way. I remember breaking up with my girlfriend in high school and just being so alone feeling so sad, so depressed. I would ditch school um, and I would drive around our neighborhood, you know, the beach area and I would, you know, smoke cigarettes and cry and listen to love songs. And, you know, like, you know, in my heart, I would feel like nobody understands. Nobody knows. Nobody has felt, you know, this kind of loneliness 
uh, in their lives, but we all have these seasons of loneliness in our lives. Now, I want to start off by saying that there's a big difference between loneliness and solitude. Solitude is self-imposed. It's retreating to a place of seclusion to be alone. You choose solitude. You know, I choose to lock myself in my office when my kids are going wild and, you know, and they go wild, you know, they they go bonkers sometimes and I just can't take it anymore and I'll, I'll, I'll kind of, you know, like, you know, sneak off into my office or, you know, to, to the, the guest bedroom and I would kind of sit there and just do my own thing because I need to be alone. But you see, loneliness, true loneliness is not self-imposed. And we have very little control over how we feel. It's not something that we can run from. It's, you can't automatically change it in our lives. We can't just say, oh, I don't want to feel lonely anymore. Uh, and and it, that just doesn't work. And also, you can't ignore it. You can't just stop being lonely. And a lot of times, you know, f- you can find new friends, you can find new people and a new atmosphere to hang out in, but it just might not help. Uh, it's like having like wet uh, like a wet blanket on you and you just can't get it off it just you just feel weighed down um and it's it's really uncomfortable to be in and so you know it's not something that you know we choose for ourselves and also loneliness is a heart issue you know uh yes loneliness involves our circumstances you know our circumstances can bring and cause feelings of loneliness in our lives but you see, loneliness is also a heart issue, meaning that you can be in a room filled with people that love you and care for you, and at times you could still feel lonely. You know, you could be in a relationship, you can be married, and at some point in your life, you could still feel lonely. And loneliness is painful. Now, I read these quotes about loneliness being beautiful. You know, there's one by a man by the name of Henry Rollins. He says, loneliness adds beauty to life and puts a special burn on sunsets and make night air smell better. And I think that's crap. <laughs> I, I, like, I think he's mixing up loneliness and solitude because there's no beauty to being not wanted. There's no beauty to being abandoned, undesired, rejected. You know, true loneliness is painful. You, know, you, don't, you, you, know, you don't see an orphan that has lost his parents and he's unwanted living in an orphanage or a foster home fe- feeling utterly alone and saying, ah, the beauty of loneliness, you know? No, no one goes, no one thinks of it in this way. True loneliness is painful. That's why people drink. That's why people do drugs. One of the main reasons I did drugs back in the days was because of loneliness. Now, that's why people go to prostitutes and why pornography is one is a multi-billion dollar industry or cancer. Mother Teresa has this quote. It says, she says that the biggest disease today is not leprosy or cancer or tuberculosis, but rather the feeling of being unwanted, uncared for, and deserted by everybody. Loneliness and the feeling of being unwanted is the most terrible poverty. So I don't want to romanticize loneliness here. It sucks. It doesn't feel good. It's painful. But it's universal and we all go through it sometimes. And I think it's getting worse as, you know, <clears throat> as we have this, we're living through this age of social media uh, and, and, you know, we have this constant stream 24 hours a day, seven days a week of just pictures and videos of what people are doing and all the fun that they're having. You know, when I was in high school, internet was just being invented, right? 
And so, you know, like we didn't have Facebook and we didn't know what other people was doing. So on a Friday night, I was sitting home. It wasn't that bad. But, you know, if I was if I'm a high school kid now, like I, I would go crazy you know, I would be so depressed with this constant stream of social media just telling us you don't have this in your life. You're not enjoying this. You could have this, but you can't. So I, I feel like the world that we're living in, you know, with loneliness is actually getting worse and worse. Now today, I'm not here to preach to you about how to cure your loneliness, how to get past your loneliness, because I don't feel qualified to either know how you feel or understand what your loneliness is, what, what it feels like and what it's all about, or know what to do to help you in your seasons of loneliness. I, I know how deep and personal feelings of loneliness can be. And I want to trivialize your pain because I have no idea how to stop your loneliness. There's a there's a lot that the world says about it, like how to get over it, you know, get more friends, get better friends. But I believe loneliness isn't itself a deep sense of pain from the separation that stems all the way back to the fall, where we were separated from God and from one another. And it's an effect of the fallen world that we live in. And I don't feel confident to say that I know how to fix it. Right? You know, I, I have I have no idea how to remove or get past the loneliness that you feel in your life. And I also don't want to give you the cliche answer that God will cure your loneliness, that he is your friend and that, you know, if you pray hard enough and you look to God hard enough, that God will cure your loneliness. I don't necessarily think that's true. And I'll talk more about that later. But, you know, prayer and the word of God is very important in, in the life of a Christian. And it can really help you in seasons and times of loneliness. But there's so much more to that. What I do want to talk about today is finding God in the midst of your loneliness. And that's the name of my sermon today. Finding God in the midst of your loneliness. Finding God even when you are lonely. Finding God even when you feel rejected. Even when you feel like nobody understands. Nobody understands your pain. In that moment, finding God. Um, if you look at the Bible, it's filled with lonely people. Starting with Adam, you know, the first man, the first thing that God said that was not good was that Adam was alone. Um, it's not good for a man to be alone. Everything was good. The sky was good. The birds were good. The, the, the fish were good. The animals were good. Even the little creepy crawly things that were crawling on the ground, God said that's good. When God made man, he said it was very good. But when he saw that man was alone, he said, oh, this is not good. It's about it, loneliness. It, 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 it's a thing that like God, when he saw it in man, he looked at it and said, oh, this is not good. But when we look at the most, you know, the mighty men of God, the women of God that's written about in the scriptures, all of them, many of them live lonely lives. They live lonely seasons in their lives. You know, starting with Noah, you know, he's the only one that God tells, build this ark, right? Imagine, you know, how lonely, alone he felt. You know, everybody is laughing at him. Everybody is saying, you're a crazy man. And yet he goes through with building this ark. Abraham, the father of a nation. But when we first see him, we see a lonely old couple. Now you have a couple who's tried to give, uh, start a family for many, many years and is unsuccessful. You know, Sarah is without child late into their lives. And I don't claim to understand how this might feel, I, but I imagine that there can be a deep sense of loneliness that comes to a couple that can't conceive when they really want to. It's heartbreaking. And Abraham and Sarah, when we meet them in the beginning of their story, it's in the Bible, we're, we're look, we look upon a very you know old and lonely couple. You see Moses, the liberator and the mighty prophet of God, 
you know, did so many amazing things. He grows up as a prince in, in, the, in the house of the, the, the Pharaoh, right? He's, he's as a son of the daughter of the, of the Pharaoh. Probably grew up with everything that he wanted. You know, he had friends, servants, a family that loved him. And then what happens? He kills a, an, he kills a man. He flees to Midian and becomes a shepherd. And back then, shepherd in Egypt, Egyptians hated sheep and shepherds. And so Moses goes from being a, being a prince to the lowest form of work that an Egyptian can do and is forced to live in a, in a foreign land for 40 years. And we see a picture of Moses' lonely heart in the name that he gives his son. Now, Gershom, I have, it means I have been a sojourner in a foreign land. You know, it, it, it kind of points to his loneliness. It's like me naming Ethan, you know, I got deported and now I live here in a foreign land. And Moses, he lives a lonely life. You know, he later on after he liberates the Jews, you know, he's he, the Israelites. He, he's wandering the wilderness with them for 40 years. They're all complaining like, hey, why did you bring us out here? You came out. You brought us out here to murder us. You, you know, like we might as well go back to Egypt. Imagine the loneliness that he felt you know, being the leader of a nation in this way. David, you know, has seasons of loneliness. He's running from King Saul. You know, this madman was trying to kill him. He's sleeping in caves, running from you know, his enemies. And later on in life, you know, his very own son Absalom is, is out to kill him. And, and, you know, he has to once again flee and, and be alone and hide uh, in the wilderness. And, and when you read the Psalms, you see so many of his Psalms um, have, have this undercurrent of, of, of loneliness, of, of lament. And, and you see it in the way that he does his writing. And you, and you see the prophets like Jeremiah. You know, if you look, study the lives of the prophets, they all live solitary, lonely. Night. They were the lone voice of God that brought God's rebuke and wrath to a people, you know, to a rebellious people that didn't want to hear what they had to say. And all the prophets, they lived solitary, lonely lives. So many of God's mighty people, mighty men of God, mighty women of God are marked by seasons of loneliness. As a matter of fact, a lot of their loneliness was ordained by God. Like Job, you know, you read the book of Job. God allows him to lose everything. All of his camels, his sheep, you know, all of the, 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 the wealth that he had. And even all of his children, he becomes one of the most pitiful men, to, you know, that living. And his very own wife tells him to curse God and die. And God allowed that. He ordained the lonely life that Job was reduced to. And for many of God's people in the Bible, their loneliness was the very thing that God used to bring God glory to his name. And it leads me to my first point in finding God in the midst of your loneliness is number one, God is sovereign over your loneliness. The word of God says that he has ordained all of our days. Psalm 139 verse 16 says, Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. In the midst of your loneliness, in the midst of your struggle, we need to have the understanding that God has ordained our days. And he is sovereign. He is in control. That our loneliness could very well be allowed by God or ordained by him to be a catalyst for transformation. Now, if God wanted to have Abraham be a, the father of a nation, he could have easily cured Sarah's barrenness early on. But he allowed them to go through a life, a long life. So they were very old before he tells them that, you know, he gives them this covenant. He gives them this promise that he would give birth to a child. Sarah would give birth to a child and he would be the father of a nation. But you see, God waited and allowed these years of loneliness to test his faith. 
Romans 4, 17, Paul talks about Abraham and says, As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. Right? Abraham, because he lived this life of loneliness and God fulfilled his promise late in his life, Abraham was able to believe that. God waited so that Abraham had an opportunity to have faith in God for miracles. You know, it doesn't require much faith to see a young 25-year-old Sarah have a child. But it takes great faith to see 90-year-old Sarah give birth to Isaac. And the faith that was born in that miracle helped Abraham to have a faith for, to be the father of a nation. Now, why did God have Moses live as a shepherd, the sojourner in a foreign land for 40 years? Why didn't he call him right away to liberate his people while he was still young? As a prince in the Pharaoh's own family, as a prince of Egypt, you know, he could have just called Moses then. Like, hey, be a shepherd. Your people, you know, you have influence. But because Moses needed to learn how to be a shepherd, for he was going to lead his flock for 40 years in the wilderness, God led him into the season of 40 years of being a shepherd in a foreign land, um, you know, being being rejected, being in the solitary state. God is sovereign over our loneliness and our lonely seasons. He is still God. He is in control. And He ordains our days. The good days and even the hard days. And God will use your loneliness for good and for His glory. Romans 8.28 And we know that for all... For those who are who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according, according to His purpose. I want you to put faith in the words, all things. All things God works for good. Even your lonely season, feeling rejected, misunderstood, uncared for. These words may not cure your loneliness, but you will be able to find God in them. But He is sovereign. And He, he is the Lord. He has ordained your days, the good and the bad. The darkness and the light are alike to him. He works things for you with the good things and he will work things for you even with the bad things, the difficult things, the painful things, the lonely things in your life. And as a matter of fact, out of your greatest struggles can come some of the greatest glory for God. You know, God can, can and he will use your loneliness. God will turn your loneliness for your good and for his good. He sees it. No, and, and he, he is Alpha and Omega. He know he has the greater picture. And he has ordained your days. We see this in the life of Joseph. You know, he goes from being the, the his father's favorite to a slave by the hands of his very own brothers. Imagine being rejected by your siblings like this. Now I had a sister that used to beat the crap out of me, right? She's always older than me. I mean, of course she's always older than me, but she's always bigger than me. Uh, her arms were longer than me. You know, and she would, you know, she would beat me up all the time, but she never sold me off into slavery, right? And he, and he, he lives this life of pain and sorrow. He gets falsely accused of rape. He gets stuck in prison for years and, and he's forgotten about, like, literally the cupbearer. He interprets his dream for this cupbearer. He's like, Hey, I'm going to get put in a good word to the, to, to the king for you. And then straight up, he, he forgets about him. And he has to, he's stuck in prison that much longer. But through all of this, all of the loneliness and, and being forgotten, being betrayed, he was able to keep his eyes on God and found God even in the depths of his imprisonment, even in the depths of his loneliness. And he continued to hear God's voice. 
And after all the things that had happened in Joseph's life, we read Genesis 50 verse 20. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. God had not only ordained his struggle and loneliness, but used it to bring glory to his name. In your loneliness, never lose sight of God's character, his goodness, his love for you, his righteousness, his sovereignty. Now, you, we have to look to God's character. This is where our understanding of God's character is so important. That His character is beyond your trials and struggles. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He knows everything. And His character is... His, character, his love for you is a perfect love. His goodness for you is a perfect goodness. His character is for your ultimate good. His good for you. You know, we might want God to just remove these struggles in our life. You know, God, remove this loneliness. I don't want to feel lonely anymore, right? Bring me a girlfriend. You know, bring me a wife. By changing my circumstances, that may be our understanding of good. But what is greater is God's understanding of good. That God is sovereign over your loneliness. And He has His ultimate good for your life in mind. And then my point number two is that God is near you in your loneliness. Now, when you feel lonely, we feel like everybody is far from us, including God. You know, like you know, when, when I would feel lonely, you know, back in high school, I talked about it. Like, I feel like nobody understands everybody. You know, like everybody felt so far. Everybody felt so distant. And when loneliness grips our hearts, it feels like even God has abandoned us. But the word of God tells us the opposite. It tells us something else. It tells us that even when, when we're lonely, when we're brokenhearted, when we are struggling and depressed, the things and things just don't make sense. People just don't understand. The Bible says that He is near us. He is nearer to us when we are brokenhearted. Psalm thirty-four, eighteen: The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Psalm one forty-five, verse eighteen: The Lord is near to all who call on Him, to all who call on Him in truth. The lie of the enemy. And the lie of loneliness is that we're all alone, but that even God is far from us. But the word of God says that he is near and he is near when he, we call on him. I believe there can be two outcomes that come out of loneliness and they depend on how we see God. The two things are despair and hope. Loneliness can lead us to despair. If we allow loneliness to continue to tell us that we're no one cares for us, you know, we're all alone, no one wants us, we're all, you know, like all like, you know, no you're rejected, you're abandoned, it will ultimately lead us to despair and hopelessness. But when in our loneliness we put faith in the fact that God is near, that He is for us, even when we are lonely, we and rejected and nobody understands, we look to God and we cry out then the fruit of loneliness can be hope. Now the hope doesn't mean that the loneliness is gone. Circumstances can be the same, but hope changes the atmosphere. Hope can lead us to cry out to God. Hope can lead us to seek after Him, to find Him and find His perspective in our lives. You might have to walk out these seasons of loneliness, right? God might not change things for us, but God walks with you. You, you can feel His presence. You're crying out to Him. You know, that's what the wilderness season is all about. What do you do when you're lost in the wilderness? I don't know. I've never been lost in the wilderness. I grew up in the city. But I imagine if you're lost in the wilderness, you don't just sit by a tree and pick your nose, right? What do you do? You cry out. You cry, help. I help. 
You, 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 want, you want somebody out there to hear you and you want somebody to help you. And that's what the wilderness season for us is. Even when we're in seasons of loneliness, right? It's for us to cry out to God and even find Him, seek after Him, even in the depths of our loneliness and pain. We hold on to the truth that He is near. He is near the brokenhearted. He is near the Christian spirit. And He is with us, especially through our seasons of loneliness. And my third point today is that God is waiting for you in your loneliness. Because here's the thing. Lonely people have a unique opportunity to encounter God in ways that only lonely people can. God sees it as an opportunity. And when you are in your loneliness, in the pain, in the struggle, you fight your flesh that says despair, give up. And you seek and you choose God. You cry out, I need you. He will be found by you. And I believe in that place of pain and loneliness, that place of travailing, you will encounter God and you will grow and you will be strengthened in ways that can only come from seeking Him out in the place of loneliness, in this place of struggle, in the place of, of, of feeling rejected. He's waiting for you. He's near you. He's waiting for you to cry out to Him. Jeremiah 29, Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. He's speaking these these things to people that are in exile, that people that have been carried off in by by Babylon. You know they've lost their home. They they you know they're living in a foreign land, and God's saying, if you cry out to me with all of your heart, you will be. I will be found by you. In your loneliness, you have an opportunity to encounter to Him to grow to be strengthened and, and you have an opportunity to bring glory to Him that can only come from your season of loneliness. You know, when times are good, they're great. You know, JP got just got engaged. You know, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. It's easy to do that. It's easy when things are good. But, you know, imagine JP when, you know, everybody around him is getting married and, you know, he doesn't even have a girlfriend and then he's feeling all depressed and he's like, oh, what do I do? But even in that moment of loneliness, like, God, I choose you. Jesus, I choose you. Jesus, I, 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 I seek after you. You know, my circumstances aren't changing, but, you know, I, I, I still want to seek after you. You know, but it's easy when things are going good. But when you're in the pit, and we know we've all been in the pit, and no one understands. We feel rejected. You feel abandoned. You feel alone. And in that place of struggle, you choose Jesus and you bring Him glory. That's special. That's God drawing gold out of you in your trials and struggle. That's why Paul talks about trials and struggle. You know, like count it all joy when you face uh, trials of various kinds. Because it, it, it gives you an opportunity to glorify God in a way that can't you can't glorify him in this way when everything is going well and everything is rainbows and unicorns and flowers and everything is going right but when you're in that place when you're in that place of when you're in the pit it's an opportunity for you to glorify god in a way that can only come when you're in that place of loneliness and, and when you're in that place of of trial and struggle in your life so it's an opportunity and God is waiting for you in your place of loneliness. And my last point I want to draw out is that God knows your loneliness. God has empathy for your loneliness. I believe that one of the keys to overcoming loneliness is empathy. 
having others empathize with us. And, and we have to know that we have a Lord, we have a Savior, we have an advocate that can relate to us and fully empathize with us. Jesus was the loneliest. No one could go where he was going to go. Not just to the cross, not just to death, but utter separation from the Father. You know, he was going to have the, he had the, the weight of all of the sin of the world upon his shoulder. Imagine that. And you're the only one in the history of, of, of eternity that can take this burden, that can take on this, this pain, that can take on this sorrow. He was the man of sorrow. And we see a glimpse of this loneliness in the Garden of Gethsemane. Or he cries out to the Father, like, My Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me, right? You know? And then he goes back to his disciples and they're all sleeping. You know, John, James, and Peter, they're sleeping. And he's like, Can't you guys pay, pray with me for just an hour? You know, he, he, he looks to him and he's like, Hey, I feel alone in this. I feel like, you know, like this is pain. This is the Bible says that he, he, he was he was sweating blood. Right. He, he was in this place of, of, of sorrow and, and, and being alone, being the only one that can do what he was about to do. He can relate to our loneliness. He understands your loneliness. Hebrews 4.15 For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are yet did not sin. He knows your loneliness. He empathizes with your loneliness. And He's with you. We have a God that's not, that doesn't just understand our pain and struggles, but one that promises us that He will always be with us and that nothing can separate us from His love. Now, when I, when I think back about my life, I think one of the hardest seasons of my life was when I first came to Korea. You know, I got deported to Korea. Uh, I never became an American citizen. I spent almost all my life in America. My parents are there, my sister is there, all my friends were there. And I remember when I landed in Korea, and I hadn't been here since 1982. I landed in 2007. And I remember just feeling so utterly alone. And I was so depressed. And I just, you know, and, and, and being, you know, you know, the fleshly man that I am, I, I went down that, that spiral of just, just, just medicating myself, you know, drinking and doing all that stuff. But in the end, you know, what happened is I sought after God. I started to realize, you know, I got, I felt God calling my heart and I sought after him. And then he, he was found by me, you know, and he called me to a greater joy. And at the time I found the greater joy of following him and giving my heart to him. I, I hadn't really talked to God for years, I think for like six years. And all of a sudden, I gave my heart back to God. And He gave me a greater joy. That loneliness about me not being able to go back to America, go back to my home, the place that I call home, it's still there. I still have it. It didn't magically disappear, but I found God in the midst of it. Now, sometimes your circumstances won't change. And that loneliness and that, that feelings of despair and the pain might not go away. But I believe that God has a greater joy for you. In the midst of your loneliness, in the midst of your struggles, in the midst of your difficulty, if you seek to find Him, He will be found by you. And I want to encourage you guys today and end with this final verse. And I started this sermon with a passage that says that God sets the lonely into families. And He brings us into this family, the family of God. And we all have a, we are a part of this family and we have a Father. 
In Revelations 21, 4, it says that he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. That's what Jesus did on the cross for us. That's what we have. That is the inheritance that we have in him. And as we live our lives on this earth, it's true that we will have these seasons of trial, of difficulty, of pain, of loneliness, feeling alone, feeling abandoned, feeling rejected, feeling like nobody understands who we are. And and it might we have to be able to see that from a place where it, it's not there to destroy you. It's not there to, to just you know, rain on your party, but it might actually be God himself that's trying to draw gold out of you. He's trying to he's trying to put you in a place where you know where there is that that rub, you know, where there is that agitation that's there, like a pearl. You know how a pearl is formed is is you have uh, an oyster or or a clam, and and what happens is sand gets in there and starts to agitate, and and, and the, the, the the it starts to to surround that piece of you know stone or, or sand with the the, the pearl with the material until a, a pearl is formed, but it, it, it's created by agitation. And we have to understand that there, there are seasons of our lives, there will be seasons of our lives where we feel like, God, I want you to remove this from me. God, I want you to, you know, if this cup could pass from me, if, you, if this thing, if you can just like remove this season of my life, I'd really appreciate it. But I want, I want to encourage you guys today to have a new perspective and a new understanding that this season of your life may actually be for God's good and for His glory in your life and that He can use your loneliness and that He, have, he has ordained your loneliness. He's ordained the struggles for you to be able to find and for God to draw out the gold in you for your sanctification, for, your, for, for you to be strengthened in your faith, for you to grow in your faith so that... God can continue to use you for the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for uh, this word. We thank you that you are with us. We thank you that you are sovereign, that you are in control, that, that you are who you say you are. And so, Lord, as we look to our lives, and Lord, we all face struggles. We all have seasons where we feel alone. We feel no one understands. We feel rejected. We feel lost. Lord, in these seasons, I pray, Lord, that we will be able to find you in the midst of the struggle, in the midst of the trial. And, and we look with a fresh new perspective of you refining us through refiner's fire. We see you with a fresh new perspective of understanding that even through the struggle, you are with us. You are for us. You will never let us go. You will never forsake us. You will never abandon us. And I pray that as we continue to, 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 to run after you and to continue to run this race, that you will show us what it is to be a child of God. It doesn't mean that everything will line up. It doesn't mean that everything will be perfect. It doesn't mean that everything will be roses and rainbows and that everything will be good but it means that you will be with us through the valley of the shadow of death you will be with us through the struggles through the pain and through 
the lonely seasons of our lives. And we thank you, Lord, that you are in control. And that you're, that what you have in mind is for your ultimate good for our lives. And so we thank you. We, Lord, we commit our lives to you. And we bless you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.